All right. Well, James chapter 5 is where we'll be as we jump back into our Bible study. And I want you to be in prayer, if you will, uh, praying uh, about which next book of the Bible to begin looking through or subject of study on Wednesday evenings. All right, because we're quickly coming to the end of the book of James as we've started last Wednesday, nope, two Wednesdays ago, uh, in, in chapter number 5. And so uh, be in prayer, if you will, about which next uh, book of the Bible to go through and study through and, uh, and read through. And um, so we're going to try to do that. Or, again, the subject is study. And I'm always up for suggestions. Don't mean we'll do it, but I'm always up for them, okay? And uh, so, so please, uh, please submit those. I know several folks have submitted some questions. We're trying to do that on Sunday evenings. And uh, there was one question, and you can answer it for me this evening, okay? Here's the question. The question is this. Was, was it God that brought all the animals on the ark, or did Moses have to go get them himself? What Moses, that's right. <laughs> but that was a question given to me, but I know where it came from. He was just trying to be funny. But anyway, he tried to throw me off. I'm like, come on, man. But anyway, so, but keep bringing your questions. And again, if you'd like to uh, have, a, have a suggestion of which book of the Bible or subject to study through Wednesday, I'm all, I'm all open for it, okay? But anyways, be in prayer for it above all. All right, James chapter number five is where we'll be. And again, as we come back to another book, or come back to this book rather, I want to keep in mind the overall context, what's going on. Uh, keep in mind that James is writing this book to Jewish believers. And these believers to whom he's writing have been largely scattered abroad from their homes uh, due to the persecution that they are suffering. And this uh, persecution they are suffering would seem to be one of the first waves after, uh, soon after the birth of the New Testament church. And, uh, but that's coming from, coming from the strong hand, the cruel hand of the religious leaders as well as the political leaders of, of the day. And so they're suffering a lot, going through a lot. And James is trying to encourage them with these Christians who are hurting, who are struggling, who are suffering, who are just confused. He's trying to help them and encourage them through this time of, of life. And how does he do that? He does it as he instructs them and encourages them through this book of, of the Bible. And so keep that in mind. That's who James is writing to. That's his audience at this time. That's kind of what's surrounding the circumstances that they're facing, okay? But James chapter 5 is where we'll be, and we're going to jump into verse number 7, and we'll read down through verse number 12 tonight, all right? So look at your Bibles with me. James chapter 5, verse number 7, the Bible says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay be nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Let's pray together. Fathers, we look to your word again this evening. I pray that you'd open our hearts and minds to it. 
as we continue to consider this great book of the Bible. Understanding that these Christians during this time are going through such hardship and heartache, Lord, that he's trying to help them. And no doubt many folks, even today, are going through great difficulty and hardship and just need some help. And may we find that from you and from your word. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, as we read this portion of Scripture and these verses in particular, did you pick up on a reoccurring theme within these verses or maybe a phrase that was repeated within these, within these verses? Did anybody pick up on it? Some of you are going back through and reading it again. It's like pastors put us a test here. You know, I heard it. Patience. There's one phrase connected with it. Brethren's in there a lot, but the, the one I'm looking for is this, all right? I don't want to put you on the spot too, too much longer. Patience is definitely one that's repeated. Patience is uh, said here in one form or another five different times, all right? In these verses, you can find that two times. Or I'm sorry, yes, two times in verse number seven. Again, once in verse number eight. Again, in verse number 10. And again, in verse number 11. But there's a phrase that's kind of coupled together with with this word, and it's this phrase, you can see it twice, the coming of the Lord. The coming of, of the Lord. And makes a reference uh, to the coming when he says about the judge in verse number 9, but, but it's coupled patience with the coming of, of the Lord. And I believe as the scripture repeats itself, it's not because God forgot what he said. Now you and I sometimes repeat ourselves because we forget. Anybody here forget from time to time? Yeah, me too. Welcome to my world. All right. But uh, I forget, not on purpose, but it happens. That's why I have sticky notes everywhere. You go to my office, you'll see them. All right. I try not to forget, but it happens. But God does not repeat himself because he's forgotten. Rather, he does it for emphasis. And so we don't forget. But what is he trying to teach us? What is he trying to emphasize within this, this uh, uh, portion of Scripture about being patient unto the coming of the Lord? Being patient. That's right. Terry, till he comes. Be patient. Be patient coming of the Lord. Now let me ask you a question. Are you a patient person? You say, well, that's kind of a loaded question. And it also depends on, uh, on what I'm waiting on. Uh, so if I'm starving to death and uh, I'm hangry and I'm waiting on my food at a restaurant, I'm not quite patient, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, bring me a third order of bread while I wait, right? Uh, but if you're waiting on your in-laws to come to your house, you can wait all day long because you don't want them to come. So you're very patient, yes? That's right. So it just depends what you're patient about and patient for. But many of us, well, we're not very patient. I, myself, included in that number, I, I'm, I'm not very patient. I have to make myself wait. I have to make myself be patient to work at this. And yes, it can be work. I heard a phrase several years ago about patience, and it kind of stuck with me. A preacher said, you either suffer the pain of waiting now, or you'll suffer the pain of regret later. And he says, by the way, the pain of regret, it's much, much worse. And I didn't want to, never want to forget that. It's okay to wait. It's okay to be patient. And yes, we have to work at it from time to time. 
But in our text, James here is he's encouraging his believers to be patient, to endure, to have enduring endurance and waiting. The question is be patient for what? And endurance in waiting for, for what? Well, again, he says, look at verse number 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Again, verse number 8. There towards the, the latter part, middle part, rather. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. He is encouraging us to be patient under the coming of the Lord. Now, why would this be so significant? Especially right now as he's writing to these believers. Well, keep in mind, again, if we were living during this time where we were going through severe persecution, where we were under continuous scrutiny of the, and from the religious and political leaders of the day, were even as Christians, as believers, as those of the way, is what they would call them, even as believers, they were labeled by the state as evildoers. Meaning, they were claim, if you claimed the name of Jesus, you were claimed to have been a common criminal. And as a common criminal, you could be hauled off to prison. And while in prison, you could be subject to torture and even put to death. And while you're a common criminal, that means you would lose your land, lose your homes, have no form of income, lose all your rights, so you lost it all. Just think of that for a moment. Let it sink in, if that was you. By the way, this is history. We're not just talking about a fairy tale. This really happened. But if this was us, let me ask you, would you not be begging for the Lord to return? And that immediately. I know I would. I'd be like John, Revelator. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Going through such treatment and hardships, we would want Jesus to return immediately. Why? No one wants to suffer. No one wants to endure hardships. No one wants to go through pain. We don't want that. You see, if we were in control of every aspect of our lives, then I dare say we would fill our lives with comforts and not pain. We would fill our lives with luxury and not loss. Yes? Who, who says yes to that? Most of us? Okay. Yes, absolutely. We don't want any pain. Yet, in the infallible wisdom of Almighty God, He does not always allow us to have the comforts and luxuries all the time. Sometimes He allows us to face the pain, trouble, difficulties of life. Why? Because it's during the pain trouble and difficulty that can lead to this wonderful element of a godly Christian life. Patience. I heard somebody recently say, man, I, just, I guess I need to pray for more, more patience. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, don't, don't pray for that. It'll come on its own, okay? Because <laughs> when you pray for patience, you're ready for some tribulation. Tribulation worketh patience. You see, God, through his wisdom, will allow us to go through those troubled times in order to cultivate this godly characteristic of patience. Understand, patience is a part of every godly person. You will not find a godly individual who is not a patient person. James would even give us examples we're going to dive into in just a moment of individuals who were godly people and pointed to their patience. 
He points to the Old Testament prophets. He points to the patience of Job. He points to all these people of their patience. So understand, God wants us to cultivate patience in our lives for his glory. So with that in mind, I want to take a look at this word and phrase today of, of patience. And with this, with this word today, I only have two points, all right? And all God's people said, don't say it, don't say it. All right, anyway. But let's look at it. The first one I want to see as we consider patience this evening is this. Number one, the explanation of patience. Now, what does patience mean? Well, in a nutshell, patience means this. It means to suffer long. That's where we get our word in our Bible, long-suffering. It means patience. It means to endure. It means to be steadfast, to persevere in the face of trouble. A person who is patient will be one who would exhibit constancy. Now, I'm not talking about consistency, but constancy. Someone who is constant, unmovable, bravely enduring what's in front of them. Listen, there's so much wrapped up in this word, patience. And to get a better understanding as we try to explain it, maybe it'll help us as we look at some of the elements of patience. All right, number one, someone who is patient does not retaliate does not retaliate. Now, in our natural mind, if someone strikes out against us, we want to do what? We want to strike back. That's right. And as Cobra Kai would say, you strike first, you strike fast, and show no mercy. Cobra Kai. All right. Anyway. Well, that's what you want to do. That's what we want to do. We want to strike back. We ain't going to take this sitting down. No. If someone attacks us, it's natural for us to retaliate. But that retaliation the work of the flesh. Meaning this is actually what our flesh desires to do. Now in Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 the Bible says now the works of the flesh are manifest, are seen, are shown which are these. And again the Bible goes on and lists a bunch of the works of the flesh in the next several verses but listen to these, these three here I'm going to read. I'm sorry. One, two, three, four, five. All right. Galatians 5.20 Here's some works of the flesh. You ready? It sounds a lot like retaliation to me. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, and strife. You see, it's in our fallen fleshly desire of flesh that wants to retaliate, to strike back, to lash out. This is what is natural to all mankind, but this is not what God wants. And this is not what God wants from his own people. He does not want the natural man to flow out of our lives. Rather, what does he want to see? He wants to see the spiritual man flow, the supernatural, if I can say it that way, flow, the fruit of the Spirit flowing from our lives, which, by the way, patience is. Remember, we looked at it many months ago about the fruit of the Spirit, but remember, patience is an element of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Here it is, long-suffering. This is what God desires, and this is what the Spirit of God will produce in us and through us, and that is patience. But let me ask you, which is more produced in your life? Which can be seen more in your life? I'm not asking if you struggle with your flesh from time to time. We all have that conflict, I understand. But which one is mass-produced in our life? Is it the retaliation of the flesh or the patience 
of the Spirit. If I had to guess, I'd say the one that is being mass produced is the one that you're feeding the most. As the Bible would say, listen, if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So if you're feeding your inner man, you're feeding your spirit, you're going to be more patient and less likely to lash out and retaliate. Listen, the Spirit of the living God will help us suffer long. He will help us to patiently endure with the pressures of life that may fall upon us, sickness that may riddle our bodies, disappointments that will come, and discouragement that may raid our minds. He can help us endure patiently through those times. Just as in a historical context was what's happening to these dear believers God was trying to show them, teach them patience. I'm asking God to help us do the same. Through those times that do come to be patient. Because listen, patience, again, is part of who God, who even God is. He is patient. He is kind. I'm thankful for this. Again, if you go back and see the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, and verse 22 and 23, you'll find a list of them there, traits of the fruit there. And I'm thankful for each and every one of them. I'm telling you, when it comes to long-suffering of the Lord. Because remember, that's what the fruit of the Spirit is pointing to, the character of God, characteristic of God. I'm thankful for them all. But I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful God is patient with me. I'm thankful for that. Let me ask you, have you done, since you've been saved, have you done everything perfectly? I'm glad you didn't say yes, all right? Again, thank you for being here from heaven. Gracious with your presence, you know, whatever. No, you've not. We've not obeyed perfectly. We've not always been obedient son or daughter to God. Uh, even when we willingly serve, maybe we're not always happy to do it, you know, but... We've not always been perfect. But I'm thankful in those times even the Lord is patient with us. Us who are sometimes be ungrateful, cantankerous, disobedient. He is still, he's still patient. The Bible says in Romans 2, 4, Or despisest thou the riches, meaning the abundance of, the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering. He's rich in it, abundant in long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Listen, the amount of long-suffering the Lord has for us, listen, is immeasurable. And I'm thankful that he is patient to us. But God is trying to cultivate that in us and even through us. So that's kind of the explanation of it. All right? So then I want to see this. I want to see some examples. Point number two. Last point for the night. I want to see some examples of patience. And as we see these examples here, as we start here in verse number, verse number seven, as we see some of these examples, we'll find really they're a pattern to go by. All right? And we'll see that from the phrase, when I say pattern, I see that from the phrase in verse number 8 when it says, Be ye also, meaning in the same manner or in the same way. So the Bible's given us a pattern, all right, to follow when it comes to 
patience. Now, everybody knows what a pattern is, right? You know what a pattern is. Anybody here like to sew? A couple of you guys. Anybody? Okay. All right. You like to sew. A few of you like to sew. Now, let's say you're going to sew together a shirt or, or a dress or whatever. You need a what to follow? Pattern. All right. To follow. Well, that's what we're going to look at. Some patterns to follow, but not when it comes to sewing. When it comes, it comes to patience. All right. And the first one is this. Look at it with me. The example of the farmer. Look at verse number seven. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Here it is. Behold. He says, look, I want you to look at this. Behold. That's a great word. That, that word means to perk up and listen and look, man. That's what it's saying. All right. Behold. Where am I at? Verse number seven. <laughs> Behold. Here it is. Behold the husbandman. The husbandman there. He's talking about a farmer. All right. The husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it. Until they receive the early and latter rain. Let me ask you a question. Who here, raise your hand if you've ever tried to grow something, a garden or flowers or whatever? Anybody had to grow anything? Okay. Most of you try to grow something. Now, as you put those seeds in the ground, let me ask you, did they spring up overnight? Of course not. That didn't spring up overnight. Did that sweet corn that you, the, the, that seed you put in the ground, that sweet corn that you just can't wait to dive into that sweet goodness, that you can't wait to take that ear of corn and baptize it in butter and take the salt and just season it with goodness and salt and just bite into that thing and let the butter drip down your beard? Or is that just me? Okay. Yeah. You want that, right? You like sweet corn? <laughs> yeah, me too. You want that, and you want it immediately, but it didn't happen overnight. Or that okra you may have planted for the 16th time because it hard, it's hard to grow, uh, that you tried to, tried to plant and grow, and you, you can't wait to get, the, to get the okra off the stalk and introduce it to that, to, that, to that grease and that oil so you can fry it up just perfect and, and right with your fried up, uh, uh, fried, uh, let's see, what, what else do I like fried? Um, zucchini and, and, and fried squash and fry it all, okay? Just fry it all. Fry tomatoes, fry it all. Give it to me, all right? And call my doctor, but anyway. But you just can't wait to do that. But did it happen overnight? No. It didn't happen overnight at, at all. No, you had to wait for it to grow. The only thing that pops up overnight when you're trying to grow something is weeds. But anyway, that's how it happens in my garden. But the farmer, he has to wait. He has to have patience. And it is said that during his time, the Jewish farmer would plow the soil and sow the seed in what is to us the fall time of the year. So it'll be fall time, our time, all right? But this will be the time of the year for them that was considered the early rain. And that early rain would soften the soil and it would be easier to plow and easier for sowing than that late, latter rain or the early spring, which had been February to March-ish for them. That rain would help mature that crop that they're eagerly waiting for and to harvest. But this process would take several months and even weeks, of course, before they could see any yield to their labor. But that farmer would wait. He would endure that time. He would be patient. Why? Because of this. Look at verse number 7. Verse number 7, but be patient, therefore, brethren, the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth 
Precious meaning of great value, of great price. Listen, this fruit is how the farmer made his living, so therefore it's precious. This fruit is how he provides for his family, therefore it's precious to him. And because it's so precious to him, he would patiently wait for it. And we too are to be patient. But patient for what? For the coming of the Lord. Why? Because I'm telling you, friend, that day is going to be precious. It's going to be the greatest day of our lives when we see Jesus face to face. But let that, knowing that precious day is coming, let that help you to have the patience to endure the difficulty, hardship, and even troubled times. Be patient in the coming of the Lord. He gives us an example of the farmer. Number two, gives us an example of the Old Testament prophets. Look at verse number, number uh, skip over verse number 10, all right? Verse number 10. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. Now, remember, James, he is writing to the scattered Jewish believers, okay? And so with the Jewish individual in mind who will be reading this letter, he would have completely understood what James is pointing to and getting at as he points back to the prophets of old. And no doubt, as he said this phrase, to consider the prophets, to, to take, my brethren, the prophets, as he said that phrase, no doubt, the Jewish mind, their minds would have been flooded with their Old Testament heroes, uh, with the Old Testament prophets. They, they, their minds have been flooded with them, and especially along the lines that they're dealing with, with the suffering and persecution, they would have thought of those prophets who had endured the same. Who suffered as well. Who comes to mind when you think of a prophet who suffered in the Old Testament? For me, I thought of Jeremiah today. See, the Bible says about Jeremiah, Jeremiah 38, 6, Then took they Jeremiah, cast him into a dungeon of, of Malachi, the son of Himelech, that was in the court of the prison. And they let down Jeremiah with cords, and in the dungeon there was no water but mire, so Jeremiah sunk in the mire. Basically, they threw him into a well. To be tortured. I think of Ezekiel in the Old Testament. Ezekiel at one point lost his wife. The Bible says in Ezekiel 24, 15 through 18, also the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, behold, I take away from thee the desire of thine eyes with a stroke. He's talking, he's talking about Ezekiel's wife. Yet neither shalt thou mourn nor weep, neither shall thy tears run down. Forbear to cry, make no mourning for the dead. Bind the tire of thine head upon thee and put on thy shoes upon thy feet. Cover not thy lips and eat not the bread of men. So I spake unto the people in the morning and even my wife died and I did in the morning as I was commanded. They suffered a lot. It is, it is said that Isaiah was sawn asunder. You can see even the writer of Hebrews tells us about those prophets when he says, And others had trial of cruel mockings, scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and dens and caves of the earth. He summed it all up with those Old Testament prophets and how they endured suffering. So we know they suffered. But the question we need to ask with it is this. Why? 
Was it something they did to deserve it? Were they not doing what God wanted them to do? Were they in the middle of the will of God or not? Well, the answer is this. They did nothing to deserve it. And yes, they were doing what God wanted them to do. And yes, they're in the middle of God's will for their life. And so with that knowledge of the prophet's suffering, just as James, who is writing to these believers here, just as they were suffering, so as the prophets were suffering, and yet were still in the midst of God's will, that example of the Old Testament prophets should have given them hope and given them confidence to patiently endure what they were facing and going through. Knowing that it could very well be This is what God has for them to cultivate patience under the coming of the Lord. He gives us an example of the farmer. He gives an example of the Old Testament prophets. And quickly, he gives us an example of Job. Now, when we think of patience, and if I was to ask you, give me one Bible character that would uh, exhibit patience, no doubt many of you would have said, oh yeah, the patience of Job. Well, we, we wouldn't be the only ones to say uh, Job when it comes to give me a Bible character. Even James knew that. That's why James said this. Look at it with me in your Bible in uh, verse number 11. Uh, let's see. That second sentence there, it says, You have heard of the patience of Job. He said, You've heard this. You know about this. And, of course, we know the story of Job. How that in a short moment of time he lost his family. Ten children died. He lost his farm. He lost his finances. Even lost his physical health. Where from boils to the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Basically these boils would have been zits on steroids. All right, But he lost it all. He lost so much, much that the only thing he had left was the very breath that he was breathing. And even with that his, his wife so lovingly encouraged him to curse God and die. He lost it all. But in the midst of losing it all it would seem that everyone is against him as well. It would seem, of course, Satan, no doubt, was against him. This to be expected. It would seem that even his friends were against him. They even thought that he had done some kind of gross sin to deserve this pain and suffering. And he even called his friends miserable comforters. So this would have been a hard pill to swallow to have your friends do this to you. But it would even seem in the mind of Job that could it be that even God was against him? But we know that Job continued on. We know he patiently endured. But what helped him? What kept him going? What gave him hope? What helped him to patiently endure? I believe it was this. I believe he did this. He rested on the promises and person of God himself. You see, though Job would have questioned God's will in all of his suffering, listen, Job never, never abandoned his faith in God. Did he question it? Yeah. Sure did. But did he abandon God? No. Not one bit. So that tells me he rested in the Lord, even though he didn't understand it all. And though he had more questions than answers, he still rested in Almighty God. The Bible says in Job 1, 22, In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. In Job 13, 15, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's all he had left was his life. And even with that, he was going to trust God with his life. So Job's a great example. A great example of trust, a great example of faith, and yes, a great example of of patience. And not only do we get to see his great example of enduring patience, but we get to see 
his ending prize as well. Look again at verse number 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. The Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. I believe pointing it back again to the testimony of Job. You see, Job saw the end of the Lord, meaning he saw the purpose and blessing as he patiently endured. He saw the end of it all. Here's what the Bible says the end of it all was. In Job 42 and 12 through 17, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 she-asses. He had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima. That means day by day. And the name of the second, Kiza. This was, this was a tree during this time, just so you know. It is known for its strength, durability, and resilience. He's naming these three daughters of his, pointing back really his walk with God. It's day by day. Now his first daughter, his resilience and strength that was personified in his second, and his third daughter was was named was named this, Karin Hapuk. No, that's probably not how you say it, but that's how I said it. <laughs> But it means this, it's a ray of beauty, especially at the end of it all. But the Bible says, In all the land where there are no women found so fair as a daughter of Job, and her father gave them inheritance among their brethren. After this lived Job 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. Listen, Job was a blessed man before, but he was extra blessed after he patiently endured. And James is trying to point to these examples for these Christians that are suffering, that are hurting, and really wanting it all to end, to simply do this, to be patient for the coming of the Lord, cultivating patience in their heart and life that it may flow through them to help others as well. There's a purpose behind these, these things. The trouble, the, the trials, the, tr- the, 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 the difficulty, there's purpose behind it. Let God have his way. And maybe he's using those times in your life to cultivate a little more patience so that we too can be an example of the next generation they can point to and a godly individual said that person there had patience. And I want that as well. God help us 